The Solid 7 Podcast is fueled by Jocko Go. Engineered for anyone who wants to get after it in life, pre-meeting, pre-testing, pre-negotiation, or pre-mission. If you're looking for an extra cognitive or physical edge, Jocko Go is your force multiplier. With 95 milligrams of caffeine and zero sugar, the keto-friendly Jocko Go will give you a physical and cognitive boost without the crash that you experience with average energy drinks. Visit JockoFuel.com today, and you can use our promo code SOLID7, that's S-O-L-I-D-7, to get 10% off your order. Get on the path and get after it. Oh, and because lawyers exist, these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and this product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Well, hello and welcome back, world, to a Solid 7 podcast, a better-than-average podcast, if I do say so myself, and we all know that I do. I am, of course, your host, Kale, uh, and back with me uh, this week is an all-time, you don't know this, sir, an all-time podcast favorite. Um, this gentleman is, uh, in a past life, uh, Air Force Special Operations Tier 1 Combat Controller, uh, easily a serial entrepreneur, uh, and, uh, also now the, uh, director of special training for go Ruck. uh, to the uninitiated, uh, his name is Dan Skidmore to those of us who know him and love him. It's cadre DS. Welcome back, sir. Thank you very much. What an intro. Got it. Got it. Hopefully I'm at like a right at a seven, right? A solid seven on uh, the popularity scale. Oh, dude, listen, <laughs> this is, uh, I mean, I don't know if this will be a surprising stat to you or not. You've got, I don't know how, how big your following is, but it is rabid. And I will tell you, uh, now you first came on the podcast way back on episode 31, uh, back when I, I had a co-host and I'll, I'll apologize now, uh, for his behavior. Uh, oh. but, uh, Josh, may may he rest in peace. We still love that guy. But uh, no, um, you are to date. And man, we've had some legit guests come through since then. So you were here on episode 31. This is going to be episode 109 when it drops. You are still my most listened to episode. Okay, okay. Well, that's cool. So there's some some repeat guests who may have beat the total numbers. But as a one-off episode, that's still the most most listened to. So the people love it. The people love... Love you. So we've got a good amount of momentum going into this thing. <laughs> so, uh, man, and, and from what I can see, like all the athletes that, you know, we just wrapped up the go ruck games. Uh, and so we're going to get into that for sure. But everybody that's coming back and, and talking about their experience, uh, which is really important to me is all positive. Yeah. Right. Even the guy that got crushed, you know, last place guy, uh, crushed as in like, Hey, he still, he still did fantastic. Um, but the feedback has all been super positive. So I think we're maybe doing something right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, well, let's get into things now. We are still, I don't think you need, uh, any extra energy. I don't know that we need to be injecting any extra fuel into here, you, but here at the Solid Seven podcast, we're still fueled by Jocko go. So I'm going to crack one open sour apple sniper here, uh, courtesy of nice. Mr. JP Donnell and, uh, and we'll get into it. So yeah, you referenced it. Now we actually, of course we're, we're good friends with and big fans of the Jedberg podcast. Fran was out there, you know, podcasting from the back of his Jeep or whatever that thing is all weekend mm-hmm. long at Sandlot Jacks. I think I saw they did like 16 separate interviews, uh, while they yeah. were out there and inspired by that, uh, our last episode here, 108, we actually recorded in the car driving South on 95 back from Sandlot Jacks. 
and uh, just had such uh, such a great time and just wanted to do it justice while it was fresh and had a lot of fun with that. And um, man, it's uh, it's like four days later now as we're recording. And I don't know if it's the same for the cadre. I'd be interested to hear your take. But coming off an event like that, um, you almost have to detox. Like for days after, I wake up and I'm like, where are all my friends? Why is no one giving me a patch for anything? Like it's such a <laughs> letdown to come off three such awesome and fun days. Yeah, we definitely experienced that as well. And I, I don't know, it's like a sleep deprivation thing, a hydration thing. Uh, that emotional energy is really tapped out. And then, you know, depending on if you travel alone, I know I've experienced this on a lot of different events is there's that like isolation period um, and getting some used to. So I absolutely experience it very similarly. Uh, the patches at this point are just kind of a side, a side thing, but yeah, it's always a weird phenomenon. Yeah. Well, you know, you have a really unique perspective and experience with this, which is what we're going to get into. So for listeners who are like, oh, man, I thought we talked Sandlot Jacks last week. We did. Um, but I could only talk about it from a few different angles. We could only recap so much. Uh, me and some of the crew from Solid 7 were out there and, uh, you know, meeting speakers and just having a good time and, and hanging out. Uh, but we were there as, as participants, and there's this whole other side to Sandlot Jacks that we haven't really ever hit on on the podcast, just this tiny little bit. And it's the Go Ruck Games, and it's mm-hmm. uh, it's it's integral to it, but also uh, kind of separate there till till the end. Everything kind of comes together there uh, at the end of the event on Sunday. Um, but really wanted because it's such a unique thing, the Go Ruck Games, and. Uh, we we touched base and we're like, yeah, let's let's tell the people about this because I I just I'm not aware of anything else like it going on anywhere in the world at, at any point. Yeah, I guess I mean other other things would be like I don't know maybe the CrossFit Games, much smaller, uh, different tests for sure. But uh, yeah, it was kind of a sideshow this year, and we were isolated uh, by by intentionally really out on the Island. Uh, but you take a group of world-class athletes. Uh, all of these guys had to be world champions of some flavor or another at some time or another. And, uh, so we had, you know, CrossFit games, athletes, world toughest mutter guys, uh, savage race champions, Spartan race champions, um, athletes from all different angles. And some showed up like we had a, you know, a, a cut down field from last year, but it takes a lot of different disciplines and then throws them against our vibe, which is, you know, a grittier competition. Yeah. Um, not as, not as polished as you might, you know, get it like the CrossFit games or, you know, other televised stuff, but you get some hard tests and some really cool, uh, kind of blends of a lot of different worlds, you know, yeah. that, that really ties together with special operations and the whole shoot, move, communicate, and then fight. Uh, that's the, that's what we're bringing. And, uh, and from what I've seen, like people have really enjoyed it and there's a big old purse too, you yeah. know, a lot of money for these week, uh, athletes that come out and, and put it on the line. And so that's, that's enticing. I think you'll see, uh, next year, hopefully some more studs coming out, yeah. you know, top of the food chain kind of guys. So this was only the the second year. So rewinding it back, right? Like Sandlot Jacks is this big enough idea to begin with. Like it's kind of a big, crazy right. undertaking, uh, right? Jason and really kind of the whole whole team at, at Go Ruck with everything going on with, uh, you know, the C, I'll say the C word, COVID, uh, was just sick of everybody being inside. You know, just it, it was kind of the anti-lockdown, not in a political way, but just like let's get out in some Florida sunshine and, and do some things together. So where in that conversation of, okay, can we do this Sandlot Jacks thing? Like, what kind of what gave birth to the games? 
Well, when Jason called me, he was like, hey, I want to do a combine for these athletes and basically, you know, have all these rogue record breaker ideas, um, basically things that people can do anywhere, but throw them you know, into these tests and then apply the obstacle course racing and then just some go ruck stuff. Um, so that's what it looked like last year. And we, we had big fields. I think there was like originally maybe 25 of both uh, female and men. And, uh, and, and it was different, you know, they got hard, hard tests on day one and then day two was an obstacle course and then ran them through some, uh, head to head races, which are always entertaining to see. Uh, and then this year we had a smaller, uh, smaller field to pull from and, uh, yeah, much yeah. more of the same, but with more of a, uh, a, a go ruck feel, right. Cause we had all the go ruck selection finishers and, uh, and some more community members, uh, as part of it last year. And then this year they, you know, the, the choice was made to not have those guys on there. Um, uh, but it still gave that feel of like, Hey, this is wet, sandy, cold, covered in bug bites and, uh, sleeping under a tent all weekend long. Yeah. So, you know, last year, you know, we're the rest of us, us normies, we're all out at the grounds. Right. And, uh, yeah. we're just, we're kind of looking for glimpses. We're watching for posts on social media. We're stocking, you know, cadre, we're stalking, you know, the athletes accounts, trying to figure out what's going on. Um, and, uh, this, you know, as opposed to kind of your standard go ruck events where, uh, if you want to see what you're made of, you want to test yourself, sign up and go that this wasn't that. Mm -hmm. So this was invite only remains that way. So, uh, right. you kind of hit on those criteria. So we're talking, you know, the best mud race runners in the world, you know, whatever version of that, that is, they're out there. CrossFit games, champions, athletes, they're out there. Uh, some of the best we've seen come through go rucks, tier one events, um, all out there together. And, uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but from what my Intel told me last year, you guys started them off getting them wet and Sandy and, uh, going for a, a ruck of uh, unknown time and unknown distance. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that wasn't, uh, that wasn't lost on this year's competition either. You know, last year we started right there at the beach, walked them right out and said, all right, well, here, we're going to do the national anthem in the water. Uh, this year, and then they hit a 12 miler this year. On the contrary, we did the the baseline functional fitness test there at Dorug HQ. So, you know, it's four, four tests and then took them out to the water and uh and scuffed them up a little bit more than we did last year actually so i think i think there was probably a point there where the athletes were like oh my gosh is this what it's going to be for the next 48 hours yeah. as they're low crawling through the sand and then uh and then they took off on their unknown distance unknown time ruck basically go that way until you see a cadre that tells you to turn around and come back and so they went uh one direction from a to b b back to the original spot and then turned them around and did it again. So it was essentially like 50% longer this year, uh, right up front. Yeah. I actually saw some of the, the athletes commenting after the fact that they went into that thinking, okay, well, I know what this is. No, no, right. no, 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 you don't. This is go ruck. You don't, <laughs> you might know a little bit. You might have actually trained with your shoes wet a little bit before this year. Which is just, that's what's so interesting about it to me is it's like, you know, as they go into, you know, the mud runners there, you know, they, they kind of understand a little bit of that discomfort, the ones that do that competitively and, and everything's kind of got its challenges to it. But you think even mm -hmm. if somebody coming in thinks, all right, go, this is a first time event, go rucks hosting it. Clearly there's going to be a rucking component. So I'll ruck some. If they're, if they're not in the culture, they probably didn't do any of it in wet shoes or boots. You know what I'm saying? So instantly they're, they're out of their comfort zone. 
Um, Rogue stepped up last year. I loved this so much. So listeners that haven't ever done a Go Ruck event or anything like that, there's the American flag's always there with you the the whole time goes with you everywhere you go and that was no different for these world class athletes the flag went everywhere uh, but the flagpoles were were real unique <laughs> yeah it's made out of uh, the innards of a barbell right rogue just made them I think they're they weigh in close to forty five pounds and then you put a, a legion's flag there hanging from the top uh, and the leaders for the men and the women had to carry a little bit extra weight. So uh, that, that's part of the brief, right? If you're in the, in the front of the pack, you got to carry a little bit extra weight. Yeah, I, I love it. And so it, but it takes that component away of, um, you know, you might have that athlete where typically in this scenario, they'd want to break away um, yeah. for whatever reason, for their own pacing that they trained at or to get into the other athlete's head a little bit. And so that's fine. You can break away. Um, mm -hmm. but what, what would have, if somebody did, did anybody try to break away in, in either of the, the games this year's or the previous iteration Did anybody trying and get out ahead with that, that poll? No, they actually strategic, uh, strategically stayed as little groups yeah. and the athletes, it's funny. There's a, somebody made a reel of a interview of, um, Katie Knight and, uh, uh Callie, uh, the, the, one of the other girls, um, talking and they, basically stayed together and then they honored the girl that carried it the longest and let her finish first. Um, so it's pretty cool to see them kind of break it down and it, they know that they're all in it together yeah. and it's a long first day or, or really two first two days in this event um, of a lot of work before they actually get to, you know, go head to head. So they're kind of in survival mode uh, to start. Cause man, like, Carrying an extra 30, 40 pounds for that far is crippling. Yeah. Um, but this, so, so, you know, they, they lean into each other a little bit and it's cool to see that uh, teamwork aspect, which if, if they, if any of the athletes decide to listen to this podcast, spoiler alert, we got, uh, I've been already devising ways that they're going to have to work together even more next year, which I think will add a fun little spice to it as well. I love it. My uh, first ever event, just as an aside was a St. Patty's day light. Um, it was Jason's McCarthy's first event as a participant, uh, that oh. he ever did. Uh, and it was Lyle's was our cadre. And, uh, he had this contraption that he took to his events where he would build this like crucible. It was kind of like a big H and it had a rolling track with an attachment point in the middle that was on casters. So it oh. was this frame <laughs> you'd, you'd get on both sides of this thing and lift it up. And whatever weight he's come up with for you to carry, for us, it was five, like three five-gallon buckets full of gravel or something. So we had to rig these to this attachment point, and it would just slide back and forth on this rig as you're rucking it if you weren't careful. And uh, boy, did it instill some team spirit. So if that, if that thing comes back to life for the games, I'll, I'll apologize to the athletes in advance, but also I will love watching that footage. So... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's I, slick. I had Jason on back a while ago, and to this day, I'm pretty convinced um, that it was an above average light. Um, Jay, mm. Jason swears it was pretty standard, but I think we went for like four hours plus in an OG light. It felt extra to me, so I, yeah. I'm, I'm sticking to my guns on that. Good, good. So as long as you enjoyed the experience, oh, of, oh, of course. Uh, it's a it's a cherished uh, cherished patch. So. Um, this year though, not started off with, um, the BFF, uh, for the listeners, this is not your best friend. This is, uh, the, well, uh, what's the acronym? I don't want to botch the words. 
uh, buddy effort forever. <laughs> uh, this is uh, the, uh, the, is it basic functional fitness? If that, is that what we're going for with BFF? The, the, the uh, baseline functional fitness okay. test. So this is something really um, that has been incorporated over, I don't know, say the, the last six months or the year through just go rut culturally um, in the events through the tribe and training program. Uh, just kind of this, exactly what it sounds like, kind of this litmus test to track your, your progress. And it's these, you know, the, these four movements, pretty basic and it's, it's four time or distance and do it. And you kind of know where you're at at given any given time, just repeat, repeating through that. Um, so I would imagine this group of athletes with that being new this year, I, they seem like the type of people who would do pretty well with it. Yeah. Let's just run through the events real quick. So, uh, and it kind of stemmed, uh, we've been working on a PT test for a long time. And, and just like you, you've seen a lot of different evolutions of the selection PT test and it's changed and, you know, let's get something that's standard, that's basic that you can scale and modify as needed. Um, but four elements there and I, and there's a lot of different metrics that we can use to, to gauge your fitness, but, uh, four events. So it's the sandbag burpees, you know, originally the 60 by 60 test, Drop down, touch your chest to it, throw it up over your head for two minutes. Get as many reps as you can. There's a 200 meter suitcase carry. So just a, a single load, but you can only carry it with one hand at a time. And you've got your ruck on, of course. So working some uh, unilateral stability there. And then two minutes of hand release pushups. Those always suck. And uh, it's a good time. And then uh, one mile with 100 pounds. And uh, the guys did that last year at the Sandlot event put in amazing times and it's a, you know, it's a, it's a crippler. Um, it's really hard yeah. and you can scale it, you know, up or down, but it gives you that little snapshot. Um, I would like to, you know, add a couple other little tests in to see what your overall fitness is. But if you're just looking at like a, Hey, where am I at today? And then what can I train to and kind of retest whether it's every quarter or every six months or once a year to see if your fitness training program is really working that's not a bad test. Yeah. You know, it's a hell, a hell of a lot better than uh push-ups, sit-ups and a, a mile and a half run that guys did for years in the military. Um, not as involved as, you know, the army combat fitness test, which is like deadlifting and farmers carry. And it's got, you know, hanging and it's got so many elements into it. So I like the BFF for that yeah. uh, nature, but you know, just like anything, it's just a, a, a way that we can measure some fitness yeah. and uh, it was fun. Fun seeing these guys do it. The selection guys this last year, um, they tested a similar test and then just kind of working out the kinks. Um, and then it evolved. We actually did it at the Bragg Heavy uh, as a big group, and it w worked out really well. Got some good metrics there. But then the whole goal was to throw these world-class athletes along it so we can get a sliding scale. So basically, we can put together a chart that says, all right, top of the top, one percenters are doing you know, 80 push-ups yeah. in two minutes, right? 80 hand release push-ups in two minutes, which, which is not easy. Um, and then all the way down to where say, Hey, all right, well the minimum passing standard, if you want to pass go ruck selection should be 55. And then, you know, down the line, well, we want to get closer to the standard and, um, and, and see how you grade yourself with all four scores. So now we've got a lot of data um, that we can, plug in and see how you do see how you yeah. stack up. No, oh, that's awesome. And I, dude, I tell you that I don't know what it is. There's something, uh, there's something magical about that hundred pound mile. I mean, I'll, huh. I'll tell you everybody that came out with us, myself included, you know, we've done various events. We've done rucking on our own. 
Um, and just, uh, just came away like that came up. That was the crowd favorite, uh, on the podcast last week. And just the, the buzz around seeing how many people were doing it out on the grounds. I mean, there was never a point. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a lap around the whole grounds, um, where, where the, you know, non goex games, again, us normies were doing it. And there, you just constantly saw people out doing that loop, whether they were doing it one off or, you know, part of owning, earning their, their nasty patch this year. Um, and it's one of those things where it kind of sneaks up on you. You know, you kind of can watch as they do their four laps. You kind of watch the suffering increase, but then the size, <laughs> the size of the smiles, as soon as that weight came off, uh, you know, and if you haven't ever really rucked, like really heavy, um, it does sneak up on you. You do feel okay at first, uh, yeah. and you just think you've got it. And it's just progressively smashes you down into the ground. And, uh, so it's, it's, it's cool seeing their times. I think what was the, the winning time, the best time you saw on the hundred pound mile out of the athletes? I think it was just under seven minutes. Okay. Uh, that guy, Jarrett Newby is putting in pretty ridiculous times. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's doing, he's doing a lot of that ruck running, uh, it, and to a detriment of other scores, which, uh, we could get into for yeah. sure uh, in that regard. But that was the, that was the top score that I saw. And when we had him right there in, in front of go rug HQ, not, a not an Olympic, uh, calibrated track, just stop sign to stop sign. Yeah. I think it was about 200 meters down and back four times. And that worked out pretty well for those guys. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, because out at the, uh, the event, you could, uh, if you wanted to do it for time, there was a prize for best time. And I think the men's time that I saw listed was like eight twelve, So not far off. I mean, when you're getting, no. when you're getting down there towards the bottom minutes, are, you know, seconds are like minutes, but still that's respectable. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's the beauty of this whole thing is everybody can throw themselves against it and see how you do, you know, and, and chip away at it. And it's cool to see like the top guys in the world, you know, arguably, you know, this guy newbie is like the fastest ruck runner maybe on earth. Like, I mean, who else is doing it faster challenge? Like I'd love to see it. Yeah. And if you can show up and, uh, and let's see it, put your money where your mouth is. Cause that's, that's quite a, it's quite a feat yeah. and it's, it's pretty impressive. So, uh, before we move on to the, the unknown time, unknown distance ruck, what, did everybody come in at least somewhat familiar with rucking at this point was everybody pretty, you know, reasonably prepared for that. Had they had some weight on their back? No surprises there. I would think for anybody this year, I think there was actually one girl and I'm really not sure how she uh, showed up, but I don't want to, I don't want to uh, diss this chick too much, but she was from Switzerland and she didn't speak great English. She spoke pretty good German, um, but she showed up kind of not really knowing what, was going on. And I can only imagine if there was a Swiss competition and I was to show up to it and be like, all right guys, Hey, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. all the instructors are in Swiss, uh, are in German. And, uh, and there's all these angry Jack dudes that are yelling at you, uh, how that would feel. So she didn't make it, um, uh, past the, past the unknown distance thing. Um, and, and really she was emotionally crushed after the one miler with a hundred pounds. Yeah. So unfortunately, like, but man, like it's crazy. People will get themselves into all kinds of stuff and into deep waters before they know what they're doing. Um, but yeah, that was the only side. The guys, the guys seem to know the deal, you know? Yeah. Did, um, did you, did I see right? You guys let them have watches this year. Yeah. I feel, yeah, we didn't, uh, I feel like that's worse. <laughs> I feel like it's a whole watch pot never boils kind of thing. Oh yeah. And, and part of that is like, part of that's by design, like always be changing it up. Um, but 
you know, these are world-class athletes. Like let them put out, let them pace themselves and, uh, and do it in an intelligent way. Yeah. That's fine. So was that it, Friday festival wise was kind of a short day. What, what was that? Were those two things? Was that it for Friday? And then you guys moved into Saturday or what was that? Yeah. The so the, the 18 miler, uh, basically took them through the night and then we transported them down to Dutton Island where they basically rest overnight. So set up a ROM site, right? They're on the campgrounds and then, uh, got a couple hours of sleep. So yeah. depending on how much, uh, how, how quickly they completed that unknown distance, unknown time, then they got some rest. And then we woke them up the next day for, uh, the secret service snatch test, which is 10 minutes of one arm snatches. Now I, I, I don't want to, uh, glaze over this for the listeners though you said dutton island and that sounds like that could be fancy that sounds like that could be a resort like we beat them down and then we treated them I'd explain dutton island to the listeners uh well dutton island's kind of a uh offshoot off of uh not far from atlantic beach and uh it's relatively swampy and uh and the mosquitoes are like i mean that's their that's their bird out there yeah. they're uh they're a plenty and uh, if you've seen or paid attention to a couple of GORUCK selection courses, basically every selection course that they run at Jacksonville, the guys are out at Dutton Island. Uh, it's secluded. It's wet, sandy, all the opportunities for the suck. And uh, and that's where we camped out. And I mean, you mean legitimate camping. I mean, they were out there. No hotel, no oh, cabins. Nope. Nope. Don't bother. Don't bother booking a place at the residence in. Uh, we got you a, a nice tent and, uh, and, and tarps and some athletes brought mosquito nets and some did not. Whoa. And, uh, <laughs> but you know, they had a fire and yeah. could set it up. Um, so it was fun. It was like a little gypsy camp. Yeah. They knew coming in, that was going to be the arrangement. <clears throat> well, they knew that it was on a packing list, but they didn't really know what the, the circumstances would look like. I love, to me, these are the facts about this that I love where it's like, guys, you're not, you're not watching the CrossFit games. You're not watching the rogue invitational. This is a different beast. And so, uh, what, what time did you guys have them up and moving on Saturday? Uh, I believe we started the next event. They, they woke up at about 7am. Well, they were, they were at, <laughs> they approached us at about 7 a.m., but they, you know, depending on how much sleep they got, yeah. uh, some guys said they didn't get any at all. But, uh, yeah, the event started promptly at 7.30. And then uh, the snatches, that was for time? Yeah, well, for reps. Okay. So 10 minutes, as many times uh, gotcha. from the hang to overhead. It's an old uh, Secret Service snatch test, if you're familiar with the, the kettlebell community there. Uh, it's, a, it's a crusher. Yeah. And you just, you know. Get as many reps in as you can. And all the way around between the, the guys and the ladies, what are we looking at for standard weights on some of this stuff? Uh, for the weights, guys used 53, and for the ladies, used 35. And normally, you know, you can use the, the solid hard kettlebells, but we've got our the GORUCK kettlebells or, yeah. you know, fill them up full of sand, and uh, things get a little gritty as you go. But uh, it's it, slightly different, but at the end of the day, man, you're working hard for 10, rep, or for ten minutes of banging out, you know, a unilateral movement. And, yeah. Uh, it was a good way to wake up. Well, and this is not, I mean, I'm always happy to, to plug go rut gear. I'm, I'm a legit believer obviously, but, um, not really what we're doing, but the, uh, sandbag kettlebells really are legit. Like it really is an improvement over the standard kettlebell just in that it's, uh, 
it's not easier, but it is softer. Like it's especially on things like snatches when you're doing get up stuff like that. It's so much easier on forearms, on wrists, uh, for that occasional one that gets away, <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's an interesting point. Um, and and I, so I started doing kettlebell stuff when I was 19 at air traffic control school, actually. So it was part of our pipeline where it was like a strength phase and we had a specific kettlebell program where we got introduced and then, you know, the workouts then that we were doing, they were soul crushers. Um, but you know, you, you get kind of beat up in the shoulders there. There's definitely body hardening, uh, benefits to that, you know, and, and building the armor up on the shoulders. So, so huge there, but a lot of athletes and, and people that I've seen in the CrossFit space get kind of turned off from, beating themselves up with a kettlebell uh, when they first start. And eventually you, you can either get it or you, yeah. you know, fall by the wayside and trample the weak hurdle, the dead kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, the, the sand kettlebells are nice because it you know, gives a little bit more forgiveness. Uh, the stability aspect is a little different. The handle obviously is, is changed. Um, and there's only a few movements that I found. Like I like to do a lot of bottoms up kettlebell carries. So you just grip a, a normal one and keep, keep it straight up and down and works st- the stability a lot. Yeah. Um, I can't really do that with the go ruck kettlebell, but basically everything else and you can transport it simple. Yeah. Well, I'll still take it yeah. over trying to do, uh, you know, like kettlebell swings with a ruck. Um, it's, that's a dangerous prospect for the gentleman. I mean, it's just sketchy. And so, you know, uh, that we saw, uh, at the brag heavy, and I'm not sure if you caught this yet, but you know, normally you swing with the kettlebell, uh, facing you. So, so maybe it's East West. We'll just turn it North and South. And then you don't have to have your legs as far. Um, yeah. (laughs) I'll, just a little bit different, different technique. I'll even, Try it out. Like uh, with the the rucker doing that same thing and then using a side handle, it gives you a little bit more room to play with too on your height. Yeah. So, yeah, but uh, the, the sandbags are the, the way to go for sure. So now yeah. uh, brand new this year, I so loved once I saw pictures of this popping up um, something. No, I'm certain none of these athletes have seen at any other competition. Um, you guys put firearms in their hands. Oh Yeah. <laughs> So break that down. Was that the next evolution after those snatches? Um, yeah, we made our way over there. We did a couple classes. Um, yeah, actually, no, it was a sandbag suck. So, you know, basically running back and forth, you hit a couple laps, progressively heavier sandbags, and it just get the blood boiling. Um, rock and a heavier sandbag for laps, Ugh. basically covering, uh, I believe it was, just over a mile, um, but progressively heavier. So they went, you know, 40, 60, 80. Right. And, uh, and got some fun so there. It's like a, then we it's took like them a over human the, tractor the range. Pole. What's that? So it's like a human tractor pull where the weight just keeps moving forward and getting worse. Yeah. 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 yeah <laughs> for sure. Um, that was enjoyable. You know, it was really hot, kind of baked them out. And then, uh, yeah, then we headed over the range and uh, started our firearm stuff. And so that's the, you know, the entry into the the special operations mindset is shoot, move, communicate. And um, and so a lot of these athletes had never messed around with guns at all, um, don't really have that background. And I'm not sure there's been I know one other kind of fitnessy test, uh, the rogue invitational the first year they had like a C2 um, plinker and they had a they had a an event where it was like a biathlon yeah. where you had to do the skier okay. yeah. and then jump off and then shoot these guns. Well, but our specialty is teaching, right? I mean, force multiplying yeah. and that's the baseline of special forces. And so, you know, get a gun in their hand. Let's go through the safety aspects. Let's go through the, you know, the 
technical aspects and then see what you can do with it. Uh, and we had two evolutions. So one was um, three rounds. You have a six plate test. So there's six little uh little, you know, six inch diameter targets in front of you, metal targets, and you get to run through, you get six, six rounds in your magazine, run up. Uh, well, actually it started off with 10 burpees. You run up to the gun load, bang, 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 bang. After the six shots, however many, uh, targets are still standing. That's the, that references how much weight you have to grab. So if you miss all but one, you only grab a 20 pounder. If you miss all but two, so if, if two targets are left standing, you grab 40 pounds. You do six, uh, then it's, you know, sequentially, so 20, 40, 53, a 60, and 80. And then if you miss them all, sorry, sweetheart, you're running with that 120. The, and it's, uh, what distance it's are a they grinder. Oh, about 10 meters. 10 meters. Okay. I mean, that's uh, that's not nothing, especially for an inexperienced or uninitiated shooter with a pistol. Yeah. That's legit. Yeah, it was fun. And uh, I actually got to, I got to run it against one of the girls that we had. We ended up with 10 male competitors and 11 female competitors. So there was uh, one of the ladies at the end of it and and the cadre were being nice and carrying all the weights back that they had to end up shooting. And I carried one back at one point and uh, Jareen, uh, one of the ladies was like, Hey, DS, you're going to run this against me. You're going to make me go by myself. And so uh, I got to, I got to run it with her and it was, it was a blast. That's awesome. So were yeah. they, um, there was no, you know, it's not a shooting competent, like, you know, what, if, if somebody's done three gun stuff like that, they're not drawing, there's none of that component. Were they just doing their burpees and then picking up off of, off of a table at the firing line? Uh, yeah. So it was yeah. 10 burpees to start. You run up, you grab your gun, load, make ready, shoot your shots. And then it was, and then depending on how many you missed, you had to carry it back to the line and then carry it back. So it was about a, uh, hundred meter movement or so. Yeah. And then you got two more rounds of that. So two more magazines of six. So you're really shooting a total of 18 shots. Yeah. Um, but for safety wise, like not everybody had a ma- uh, a holster. We didn't want to mess with that. So the weapon yeah. stayed on the table. Now, al- alternately, the second uh, scored event out of there was a little live shoot. So we set up a scenario where we had a bunch of role players and there was a, the mission was to go into the shop and buy a lottery ticket. And so you walk in, you start talking to a cashier and then there's this, you know, a scuffle, a little hubbub and there's an active shooter. This guy pulls out a gun, shoots somebody, and then you have to, you know, react, draw from a concealment, fire on the target and then run over to the, uh, the victim that got shot and apply a tourniquet within 45 seconds. And then you're going to run outside. You're going to grab a sled and with loaded down with uh, 240 pounds. And then you're going to carry it for time, drag it for time around the building. And so that was the next uh, live scenario evolution. Uh, I mean, this is a little bit of a segue, but I'm just in my head. I'm trying to picture you and the other cadre sitting around thinking this stuff up. (laughs) <laughs> and I, I just got to believe other than, you know, maybe some contracting ground branch, you know, some of the, the continued secret squirrel stuff. Is there a better job post special operations for you guys than this? I mean, I just, if there is, I don't know what it would be, what you guys could possibly enjoy more. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've had a lot of fun with running go ruck events and it's, it's, it's cathartic for all of us. Uh, Cause we get to, you know, add little elements in here, but you know, at the end of the day, like, these people are signing up to test themselves and we don't want to make it just a vanilla competition, right? We want to add some spice yeah. into it and, uh, and, and have some fun. 
right? And see how they react under some stress. And and that's the whole thing is like, you know, walk into an unknown situation and see how these guys do. And there was some, you know, there were definitely lessons learned. There were tears involved. Uh, but man, like, you know, guys got to yeah. learn. Uh, and, and the best way to do that is to put them in over their head in unknown circumstances and then put the time on and stress them out a little yeah. bit. And, uh, and we have a nice way to doing that. Yeah. So I'll give Mocha Mike, uh, the credit for that. He, he worked his ass off and, uh, and arranged all of that. So if you like that side of the, the competition, you can send Mocha Mike, uh, Vox a message and man, like that's not easy, you yeah. know, especially in this day and age is like getting arranged for a bunch of guys and, uh, and you know, going, going through all of that, uh, it's not an easy task. And uh, we somehow pulled it off. Yeah. So, <laughs> so those drills, were they, was it simunition they were using? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they were shooting uh, small paint okay. rounds at each so, other. Uh, listeners, and I'd be interested to see if you concur here, but everything I've ever heard is that, you know, uh, most people I think have probably been shot by a paintball at some point, and it hurts. Simunition is worse. Every account I've ever heard is that simunition hurts worse. <laughs> I think it's about the same. Uh, yeah, we had my, my parents got us for one one year. We got a bunch of paintball guns, and we'd have endless wars out in the woods of southeastern Ohio. And uh, so it's a it's a similar sting. Yeah. Was this uh, was this a two way scenario? So could, would the, would the actors fire at them, or this was just they had to identify the threat and address it? Uh. I believe that they were just identifying the threat. I don't think they were getting rounds incoming, but it was, you know, at a, at a small offset. Yeah. Still that's putting them. I mean, the range drills would have been enough. Putting them in a live fire drills is just next level. That's so cool. Oh yeah. And you know, just seeing how people respond to stress and freak out situations. And uh, yeah, it was, it was cool, man. I mean, I don't think you're going to get that anywhere else. You're not getting that. If you go to uh, obstacle course racing, tactical games, I think that'll be the next evolution. I know that they're uh, potentially, um, I know that that's pretty popular within the shooting realm and like sniper adventure challenges, that kind of thing. But yeah, man, if you can, Put yourself into the Garuk scene. That's we do that all the time. We do the firearms days. We do force on force training, uh, critical decision making. A lot of big benefits you can get out of that kind of thing, um, and and those are offered worldwide. You know, they're on the Garuk schedule. Yeah. Well, and I mean, uh, to to listeners that that haven't ever shot or have only ever you know shot at a static range standing still, because you've got to be really intentional about finding a range these days that will let mm -hmm. you do anything of any real significant training value. I mean, it's tough to find places that will let you draw and shoot, move and shoot, period. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, and I was lucky enough for a while, I had a, a buddy that was, you know, he had a berm on property, and so we could go out and, and be safe, of course, but shoot big boy rules. And, you know, even if, if you're somebody you consider yourself a, a firearms enthusiast, if you've never induced stress to your shooting or done anything to up your heart rate like those 10 burpees, I mean, I, I've watched guys come out with us that could shoot a pretty tight group standing still on a stationary target and a respectable okay. shooter and just having them jog for 50 yards, just an out and back comeback, couldn't put rounds on paper, just hadn't ever done it, hadn't put themselves in that kind of scenario of just that little bit of induced stress. And it's yeah. a totally different deal. Right. I will say that the, the go rug firearms day that I, the courses that I took, uh, I did the basic pistol course with my wife. She got a lot out of that, really enjoyed it. And then the next evening was the uh, night 
car shooting. So we got a couple of vehicles out there, you know, working in and around vehicles and some, uh, you know, immediate response drills. And that's, it's, it's always fun. Like I had done a lot of that in, in my service time, but like, that's pretty, pretty advanced to be running around a vehicle bounding, uh, from the front to the back and, uh, communicating with your teammates in a live fire situation. Um, pretty blessed to be able to do that. And so if you're looking for those kind of training opportunities, if you don't have your buddy out in the woods that, you know, has a, a nice range setup, which it's always good to have one of those, um, and find an, find an event, and go get after it. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, you know, you guys, uh, put them through the paces out on the range. What comes next? So then we brought them back and the day was kind of, uh, pushed on. We, we had to modify our schedule slightly, but we had planned, I, I, one of my other serial entrepreneur businesses is uh, when we were back at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, we had a, a, um, a kayak and canoe rental company. I don't know if we talked about this before. <laughs> nope, we but, missed uh, that one. <laughs> yeah, so so from the gym, it was basically, well, the the, the initiate, initiative of what flooded my building was a river that ran on the backside of the property. And uh, so we, we, in, I believe it was 2017, we started a kayak and canoe rental company and it was awesome. Um, it was a really cool attraction. And, uh, so we had all these boats, I brought them down and, uh, we wanted to do a swim evolution. And, uh, so what we did, we was, we taught all these athletes, a three knot series. We taught them the square knot, the bowline, and, uh, and then a clove hitch. And then some athletes got a, a girth hitch with an extra turn, but these knots are sp- you know, significant to us for, for reasons for training. Um, but also like, I mean, you got to know a couple knots if you're not a boy scout or like, you know, you got to be able to tie stuff down or tie it together and you really only need a few knots, but, uh, Roger Sparks, you know, a survival and, uh, rescue expert was able to teach these athletes, these, these couple knots. And then we put it into a workout where they had to ruck down uh, from the campsite, ruck down to the, uh, the water side, jump in the water, swim out around me, which I was, I was in a kayak out about 75 meters and then back to the water or back to the ruck, ruck all the way back and then tie all the knots. So it was a couple rounds. So one round you do, you go down, all right, show me your square knot. And they'd have to tie it perfectly or they're doing extra work and doing burpees and then go back. And then they do the whole ruck swim back to the knot line, tie the next one, tie a bow line, and then repeated that for the next knot series. How often as you guys are going through these evolutions, are you kind of trimming competitors? Like how often are people getting dropped? It never, it, the goal wasn't to make these guys quit. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't think that that was going to happen. I think the only way that we'd get rid of guys is if they got hurt. Yeah. Uh, last year we had a couple guys pull out, you know, sprained ankles. Um, but I mean, these are world-class athletes. Yeah. They're not just like tripping over or getting a fingernail caught or ter- pulling a hamstring. They're going pretty hard. So yeah. we're not, we're not trimming anybody and we didn't have any, just because we had a small, uh, small group this year, there wasn't performance drops, uh, but uh, they they performed really well. Okay, so well, more, yeah. I mean, I I could see you know a, a med drop or a performance drop potentially, but just so like when you when you brought the competitors out to the grounds on Sunday and they they announced uh, the the top eight, that was the first time really you trimmed down the cr- the crowd then. Well, yeah. Okay. So then, so that final that Sunday, we sh- we have them show back up and uh, have them run through the obstacle course as the final score. And there was a few other events uh, that morning. So then the next day, 
So we finished the Ruck Swim, the Knot Swim, yeah. which those three, those actually four Knot series. So it's a, a you know couple knots. We do that Knot series at a pre scuba school. So you have your two knots that you're tying together. You're holding them in your hand. The instructor says, "Go subsurface." You go down on a line. You tie a bowline, a, a girth hitch with an extra turn, and then tie tie the two ends together with a square knot. And then you go back up to the surface. Okay. That's that's where that comes from, right. and that's part of, and that's all on one breath at the bottom of a twelve foot pool. And so the the idea is there is you got to work with no no oxygen under a little bit of fear and putting it all together. Um, and so it's a water confidence drill, yeah. and that's where really where that comes from. So we we wrap that up, uh, let let the athletes bed down. Then the next morning we woke them up. They had a Apache run, so I think we've talked about that. They filled their mouths yeah. up with water and uh, and hit a little distance run. That was interesting. Uh, it, that forces a level of pacing and uh, and and control, breath control specifically, and uh, that is different for these guys. So that was an interesting evolution. Got another time hack there, and then yeah. we brought them back into the obstacle course. So, you know, finishing all of that exercise up with hey all right now we're throwing you against the savage course yeah. and getting a time and then uh and, and this then is this is another all of those night two this is another night in the woods it wasn't okay we we beat you up last night but it's going to be cushy now this was after another yeah. night of camping exactly okay. yep yep that's night two um and then and that was a morning run yeah. so morning, morning apache run and then brought all the athletes in to do the savage course sunday morning and it was, you know, the, the savage course, you know, it's urban obstacle course. I don't know. What was it like a uh, 17 obstacles or something like that? I think is the core was the count over like a mm -hmm. quarter mile. This is really the only place you experience a setup like that um, is mm -hmm. at Sandlot Jacks. It was open to, um, you know, all the everybody attending um, until you guys took over the course. It seemed um, it seemed a little more like grip strength and upper body heavy this year. To me, I mean, there were mm -hmm. some there were some similar obstacles or uh, some repeat obstacles, and of course, you know, there's always the the big wall and that kind of thing, and some of their signature stuff. Uh, but it was a demanding. I mean, it's it's always demanding, but it seemed a little more so this year. Yeah, I think that they had a few that you didn't see last year, uh, the first year added in the, a few actually classic uh, savage ones. So they have the one with the ropes where it's like, you, you got to grab the ro uh, the rings and then the, you know, the different things. Yeah. I don't believe on the first year they had the rings onto the, the hooks um, that they, they got really catchy names for it as well. Um, but that's, that's one that I don't believe that was on there. And then uh, whatever the ring, you, you pull these rings to you, you, you slide down like captain hook style yeah. on this ring to a ladder and then do it again on a ring. Um, yeah. There were a few that were different. Um, the tire, the tire throw was different yeah. and it was, it was interesting. I actually saw more people, fail on the chains than I ever had before. Really? So that's, yeah, that's, you know, there's just the, they, they, they got the chain on the bottom and they pull it all the way to the top yeah. and it gets heavier as you go. Cause more is more of the chain uh -huh. is off the ground. Um, straight conjugate style, rest in peace, Louis Simmons. Um, but if you want to talk about conjugate tactical, I'd love to discuss that as well. in our next segue, but yeah, man, that a lot of folks failed on the, on the, the chain, which was uh, one of the last kind of challenging obstacles. I would imagine that there there's some that despite the prior beatdowns kind of light up when it's time to get to the obstacle course because that's kind of their bread and butter. Yeah. 
Yeah, you can tell that that's the, their uh, their specialty, and that's where they're comfortable. But you know, these athletes move really well. Yeah. Well, and then um, it was cool this year. You know, the you know on our side, while you guys are out doing the games, the rest of us we're we're hearing from all these you know, authors and trainers and coaches and mental health counselors and, you know, doing all these crazy, awesome fit talks. And, uh, one of them this year, I, I can't believe I'm, I'm going to botch her name. The last name's Graf, but she's a stunt woman, an actress and like a top women's Ninja warrior competitor. And, Oh yeah. And she went out and was doing like demos and like coaching and then running the O course. And it's funny nice. watching somebody like her. Cause you're like, Oh, you're a different thing than I am. Like we're the same species, <laughs> but you're a different thing than the rest of us are. And just absolutely making it look easy. Like, no, you just, you grab here and you just, when you swing this way, you grab this thing and then you're there. And I'm like, no, you just do that. And, uh, <laughs> a marshmallow like me, it's not, it's, we got to, the approach is different. So, but same thing, yeah. like once you bring the pros out there, watching them do it is, is a, definitely a struggle for, for some of them where, they, they are out of their wheelhouse, but the ones that are that are obstacle course competitors, it's so cool to watch them do their thing and see where they find the efficiencies and kind of the different approaches to it. It's really cool. Who was your favorite uh, fit talk that you got to listen to this year? Oh man, it was, it was tough because there were some sleepers and because of weather and one of our guys um, that was with us was coming off of a stomach surgery that he followed up with some cracked ribs. Uh, rolling jits. So we were a little more chill, chill this year and sat in on more of them. Um, Miranda Alcaraz from street parking, mm -hmm. man, just, uh, just killed it. Just seeing, I, I mean, there was a different energy because half the crowd was street parking. I mean, it was just, uh, yeah. I ended up talking with her and her husband for a little bit afterwards and uh, hoping we can connect on the podcast here at some point. But I'm like, I think it's possible. You guys are just straight up running a coal and I'm, I'm cool with it. Which is, I mean, that's saying something coming from a go ruck fanboy. Like, you know, I'm in the backpack cult. Okay. That's cool. Uh, but yeah. just what they're doing, the community they're building. So that was one that was uh, kind of a sleeper to me. I just did. I hadn't heard from her before. Didn't know as much about street parking. Uh, Jala Shaw, um, who mm -hmm. of course, you know, well, um, you know, she works with uh, CrossFit HQ, but then also uh, in combo with your, your wife runs tribe kids for go ruck. Uh, man, as far as like moving and like making you want to go out and knock down buildings, Jala was it, man. Just hearing her journey through, uh, trying to complete selection. Um, and then what she went through with trying to set the world record. I mean, just, just incredible. Uh, those for the listeners, we talked about it last week. The fit talks ultimately will, will be available online, whether that's YouTube or the, the Sandlot Jacks website. Um, definitely go and check these out. Um, Dr. Apple was one, I say Apple, Dr. Appel was one that I, I didn't know what he was going to be about. Uh, but he's from your world, the other side of the, the air force coin. He was a PJ mm -hmm. and, uh, he was actually on the, the red wings rescue mission. So mm. he, um, put Marcus Luttrell on the helicopter, uh, once they pulled him out of that village. And then he also retrieved Mike Murphy's body. Oh, wow. And that's just a story. Like my son is named Marcus in large part because of Marcus Luttrell. Just, uh, yeah. The story of those guys, what Mike Murphy, Murphy did, which, you know, obviously ultimately, you know, earned him the medal of honor. And then just, uh, you know, Marcus's dedication to make sure their story gets told, 
um, mm-hmm. was just something that always resonated with me. So wasn't expecting to hear that story or talk to somebody who played that role in it. Um, what was really cool. So, I mean, there's a lot of good ones. It's, it's tough to pick out a favorite, but those stood out for sure. You know, of course, you've got heavy hitters. Michael Easter was out there. Sebastian Younger, Younger was awesome to hear from. Um, yeah, there, there, there weren't any losers in there for sure. <laughs> well, they kept uh, me and Roger Sparks off of this year's <laughs> roster. So we were, we were off in the woods, uh, you know, isolated, but it was, it's good to, good to hear that that went really well. And I look forward to seeing him post it up. Yeah. Uh, J- I, I really, you know, good friends with Jala and uh, looking forward to hearing her specifically from what she's overcome in the last year as well. I mean, selection attempts aside and, and running herself ragged, with a world, you know, a Guinness world record uh, attempt and learning a lot about herself and her, how her body works. Uh, and, and those issues, uh, and like, you know, take something out of it and we should be able yeah. to t- learn from other people's uh, failures and mistakes, yeah. just like mine, you know, I made plenty of them as well, but if we can learn from a couple of those and not make them ourselves, yeah. like, Hey, got to add some salt to your uh, nutrition. Maybe if you're going to go for a, a crazy run, like wait till it's not super hot, yeah. that kind of thing. Uh, well, and I'd be interested to hear your take while, while we're rabbit trailing and, and listeners. And if, you know, of course you, once these uh, fit talks go live, I'll, I'll update on the podcast and kind of point <laughs> listeners in that direction and, and share it on social, but go and listen because I, I won't do her story justice. But what we're talking about here is, is Jala along with another guy, they were going to set a, a Guinness world record for distance rucked in 24 hours to raise uh, money for the gift team, which of course we've had uh, Brad Mason who coaches and runs the the gift team uh, on the podcast. And we're planning a return trip for him here to the podcast soon. And it's just funny because it's the opposite issue you might expect from uh, any kind of rucking event, let alone a 24 hour one. Uh, but in an effort to uh, stay hydrated throughout this event, and they're on a track, it's it's hot, you know, the track's radiating because they've got to be on a track for for the Guinness people. So it's you know you've got to verify the distance and all that stuff. And so uh, Jala was getting after it, trying to stay hydrated, and got after it too hard, and uh, you know ended up basically with with water poisoning. I think it's hypernatremia. I think is the is the correct terminology. But, yeah, hypernutremia. Yeah, but caused her to seize, uh, grand mal seizure, and ends up laid up in the hospital in a coma for three days. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, this is one of those things where it's like, am I going to come back from this period? If I do come back from this, am I going to come back from this at a hundred percent? And and fast forwarding, you know, thank God she, you know, she is she she's squared away and she's fully recovered. But part of that recovery process for her, and and this is where I kind of wanted to to feel you out on this is, um, not even a full year. Um, she's in North Carolina with you guys out at Bragg to do, Mm -hmm. to do a heavy event, um, you know, to do a a 24 hour, um, go ruck event and knowing that, you know, how well, you know, her, how close you guys are knowing that background story. Was that, uh, did that hit different for, for you and, and, and the other cadre, knowing her, knowing what she was coming out of, putting her through that event? Like, how does that play? Does that change anything for you guys on your side when you're doing your thing? Well, since Jala's not right here and we can talk bad about her since she's not in the room. Uh, no, like I, I think what Jala does is, is put herself in over her head. And that's it. At the end of the day, what we all try to do is like t- find something that's really scary and and tackle it. 
And, uh, and if, if it was easy, like everybody would do it and it wouldn't be special. Uh, but that kind of event, like, you know, it's really difficult and Hey, let's address our relationship with sodium, right? Potassium, yeah. magnesium, uh, and get that right as a, as a, a machine. Cause really like on the inside of your body, you got this bad ocean that's going on in here. And so like, you can't just flush fresh water through there. Uh, we need a lot of nutrients. And, yeah. and so that's, there's a lot of really good resources to, to go with, but I think, uh, Salt as it is has a, a bad rap, yeah. right? From so many people just being like, "Oh my my blood pressure and all that." Like, hey, stop! That's that's enough. Yeah. Um, even as far as like supplementing with sodium bicarbonate, right? What is that? Baking powder or baking soda, and what that can do for your performance. Uh, there's a lot of little things there, but specifically like for Jala rowing through her next thing because she just fell off a horse, got trampled got beat down and then showed back up. And um, yeah, I was kind of worried, but at the same time, like she's got to get back after it and get a couple wins under her belt. And, uh, and so what better place to do that than, you know, the, the hometown of special forces. And so the brag heavy is traditionally really hard. Yeah. Um, it was in January. We moved it up to March this year, just for, you know, less suck factor uh, with the weather, but Unfortunately, it was still the same suck factor. It rained. It was cold. Uh, Kadrick Cleave was there to crush everybody's soul. And so it was still really, really hard. But, you know, like at the end of the day, we want to see we, we want to see everybody succeed and win. Um, and so keeping a good eye on Jala and like checking in with her occasionally. But, you know, she's a smart athlete. She's and, you know, going to learn from those mistakes. And uh, and and she did really well. Yeah. At Bragg. Like she was an asset to the team the whole time. Um, with that same same thing being said, one of the evolutions at the Bragg Heavy, I brought a couple of AR-15s down and uh, gave a disassembly and reassembly um, class during the heavy, like wee hours in the morning. Hey, this is how we break this thing down. And then towards the end of the heavy, all right, guys, ready, set, go. And it's this puzzle piece that they got all put together. And uh, so that was another learning lesson for Jala is like, and it's kind of like overall, it's, hey, it's, all right, you can go forever, but, you know, we got to learn these basic things, right? How to put these things together, problem solve, and uh, and apply it. Yeah. And so that's been, it's been interesting to plug that in and have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, I, I'm of the uh, dump more slip 2000 on it uh, stable of AR-15 care. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just, if, it, if it's wet, it'll run. Just, just go. Unless, yeah. unless you buy Bushmaster, it'll be fine. Uh, so no, that's awesome. And that's really like the, the theme of her talk. The title of her talk was, um, like try so hard you fail, like fine, like mm. do right along with, with Michael Easter, right. That concept of Masogi that like, it shouldn't, don't, don't go find a, a hard thing. That's sure. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, like I went and did that hundred pound mile out there. I knew it was going to be hard. 100%. I knew oh, I'm going to cover a mile with weight. It's not going to be a big thing. That's no Masogi, but that mm-hmm. finding that failure point. Uh, and then you can push it. Then you can can go beyond it and, and train past it. it. It was it was cool, man. I, I enjoyed her talk a lot. So, yeah. Similarly, you know, I've I've got a a, a different take on that. Um, I never, and this comes from my, one of my mentors in the strength and conditioning community, Donnie Thompson, uh, which is he's one of two guys to ever hit a three thousand pound powerlifting total, and he said he says never code failure. And so, and this goes to, for specifically from a weight, uh, you know, uh, a powerlifting point of view. But if I put 
330 pounds on a bar, on a bench press bar, and it just staples me and it crushes my chest. Well, now it's coded failure at this number as opposed to, all right, let's hit what we can hit and and stay right in that range and progressively build our confidence so that you never get stuck at a number. And um, and, and I think there's value in both, right? You yeah. have to do things that are that suck just to test your test yourself to recheck the man card every once in a while. Um, but, but like don't code failure, right? I want to know what my limits are, but I also want to like, I want to get more wins than, and then it's knocking me down. So, so if Jala ever listens to this, which hopefully she does, um, man, she's coded failure a lot yeah. and it's, and she learns a lot through all these processes, but you gotta get more wins, I think. And, uh, and then the wins build momentum and then it leads to the next thing as it always, as opposed to always throwing yourself out there in the fire and just getting burned all the time. Um, man, like that's just a, a little difference. Yeah. Um, perspective wise, but man, more power to you, yeah. you know, keep, keep shooting for the stars. Well, but, I, uh, I think there's something to be gained in that middle ground though, that, uh, mm-hmm. that, that coin toss where it's like, well, it's, I might be able to do this thing. I'm, I might mm-hmm. not. And, and almost kind of as that, that litmus test, right. Of, of seeing where I'm at. And, and if you do complete, yeah. And you know, that's, you know, decoding the failure though, that, that does add a component. I hadn't thought about where like going back to talking about like go ruck selection, um, you know, those finishers where it wasn't their first time around where it took those multiple mm-hmm. tries adds that, you know, getting to that point where I, I just got to believe they know exactly, you know, watch or no watch. They know when you're, when you're hitting the point of failure from before and to push mm-hmm. through that and not let that become, you know, a weak point. Um, I think really adds to that challenge for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And you see you guys, you know, who have any selection finishers come through and, first time goes um, maybe one uh, a few years ago, but it, it does. Yeah. You, you want to push yourself and see where the limits are for sure. Yeah. But you got to temper that. And, uh, and just like, you know, go back to all the, the go rock games, athletes, uh, multiple standing on the podium. They say, Hey, we pick one big event every year that I'm going to train for, or, you know, maybe one every, maybe two, grade a like really hard events that we're going to go for and and it probably has a big cash prize you know imagine that but like you can only put yourself out there so many times because the stimulus required if you're always hitting that stimulus of up and down and up and down eventually if you keep keep pulling on that string it's just going to flatline and you're not going to bring it when when you need to and so similarly you get guys that lose that fight or flight reaction you know guys can uh, continually going through breaches, you know, on target all the time. You get that, like that it changes your baseline so much that what excited you before isn't doing the same thing. And, uh, and so that's a challenge that everybody faces. Uh, you just have to temper it with your timing and your recovery methods as well. Yeah. Well, you always see it in stark relief in MMA, right? Like Conor McGregor's this perfect Mm. example of like, the the Conor McGregor that's collecting welfare before fights is a different fighter than the Conor McGregor that drives to his fights in a Rolls Royce. Like it's just a the hunger changes, the experience changes, and it just takes more to to get you up out of bed. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to it's hard to wake up at uh what, what do they say? It's hard to wake up at five a.m. when you're sleeping in silk sheets. Yeah. So you know it's hard to hard to wake up and go hit the ground, go hit the road work that you need to do. Go get sweaty. Go let somebody else crush you for 
hours on end and, and really put yourself through the, the tempering fire when you're that comfortable. So there's a temperance there that you have to have, uh, especially training on the, the elite ends. But yeah, I mean, you look at athlete at, at fighters, like he's got a long time between fights as well, where he can go back and refit and rekit. Yeah. And even if he does get beat, like he's going to stack up a couple wins, whether it's in fighting or if it's in other domains too. So, you know, everything is everything. All stress is, you know, his fight to be a business owner, his fight in the cage, his fight to this. And so you gotta, you gotta look at all those things. And, uh, and I think that we, we do as well. Yeah. So back back to the games, you guys finished the the O course, and that's the point where it got cut. That's the last event before it got cut down to the top eight on each side. Is that right? Yep, yep, yep. Then we roll into the quarterfinals, semifinals, and and the final events, and uh, the top eight guys and girls move on. Um, you want to jump right into this the event breakdowns? Well, were there uh, real quick? Just and you don't have to name names uh, unless you want to. Were there any surprises for you in the top eight or that didn't make top eight? You know, one big surprise for me is uh, Mac Roush, and I've, I've t- chatted with Mac a lot uh, over the the last year. He got third, I believe, last year, and um, and big personality, uh, super nice guy, and he just got you know came into this event and with a different a different layout of events and uh, didn't do placing wise as well as he did last last year. No hit against him, his physicality, his fitness. Um, the events were not really stacked in his favor and he got left out of the top eight, but man, it's a tough top eight to be in. Like those guys are all studs. So, uh, I was a little surprised by that, but you know, at the same time, like that's just how the cookie crumbles, um, in, in terms of guys making it not. Yeah. Well, you guys moved out of that top eight into just what I feel like is just some, some good old fashioned go ruck fun with them <laughs> just move heavy things around yeah well or just hold them over your head for as long as you can and uh and that set the stage there for for two pretty electric events so uh the first event the quarterfinals was a head-to-head uh static hold overhead so you just pick up a kettlebell lock it out overhead and hold it there for two minutes and then if you make it all the way through that well then you get a med ball to push over your head and hold for two minutes And then if you made it past that, which only one set of girls did, uh, then you go onto a zercher hold. So holding it in the crux of your elbows, that weight's smashing down on your sternum and your lungs and your diaphragm and just causing overall body pains. Uh, But just, you know, dead, dead, dead holds, Uh, much different than all the rest of the tests where it was like locomotion or reps and, and a work capacity. This is just pure grit. And you're able to stand face to face with somebody and, you know, see, see if you can hold it up for longer than they can. Uh, it's, it's, that was fun. I, I love not just the physical challenge of that, but that gamesmanship of that little bit of face off. Uh, mm-hmm. It just, you know, it, <laughs> I, I know people go both ways on David Goggins, but I always get a kick out of Goggins talking about snatching souls because that's totally yes. a potential soul snatching moment. If you're there and just, you're at the bottom of your pain. Well, complete suffer session, muscles twitching, if the person across from you is just freaking stone face and ice cold, that's a soul snatching moment. Absolutely. And you, you have to go into that with a little bit of that um, mindset is I'm going to take their MF and soul. And, uh, and, and that can be your edge, right? And you can, you can eat up those shakes, right? If you can see them shaking, 
next to you, like, yep, that's mine. I can last longer. I can take it a couple more breaths. I did this. I did it yesterday. Um, we were, we were traveling. Izzy and I are in the hotel, my wife, and she's a badass athlete. And like, I, I would put her up against any of those girls in a fight. And, uh, and I put my money on her, maybe not in a, a 18 mile ruck, but you know, that's neither here nor there, but we did this two minute overhead test and it was tough. Yeah. Right. And I'm standing next to her looking at her in the mirror and she's shaking. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to suck up your soul. <laughs> I'm taking your soul. I'm going to, I'm going to get you here because I want to win. But that's part of it, man. And, and I, you see that, uh, with that event. Yeah, dude, it was, uh, just, uh, to, to give your wife the, the full credit that she's due. Um, cause I, I, I met and got to connect with her for the first time ever in person this yeah. weekend. Uh, bro, what a keeper you found. And she, she might be the nicest person I've ever met that could choke the life out of you. Yeah. 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 She's pretty tough, man. She, uh, she's really gotten into this, uh, combative jujitsu grappling thing, which I didn't really anticipate, but, uh, she, it's, it's a real deal, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I was telling her it's so much fun watching because, uh, your son, such an adorable little guy, and he's along for Thanks. all of your adventures. And I, I was standing, you know, where we were talking was kind of over by where the the tombstone uh, carry was. So you know, go back, go record made the, everything sand now. The whole world sand, and uh, mm -hmm. so uh, scars had made up several of these, uh, you know, tombstones full of sand. I think the lightest ones were 100 pounds or 115 pounds. And, uh, oh, yeah. you know, I'm watching your son crawl all, all over this thing. Obviously, not the first uh, tombstone that he's seen, but also at what is he probably like 16, 18 months now, something like that. 21. Yeah. 21 months. Having had two, I've gotten a little better at my dad math. I used to be between like two years old and 12 years old. I couldn't tell the difference, but I, I can get a little <laughs> closer these days, but I'm like, I know who your dad is and I know who your mom is. I'm kind of, there's a part of me that's just waiting for him to like baby Yoda it and just take off with this 115 pound <laughs> uh, tombstone. But I, I do. I do have a, a four, a six, and a ten pound sand ball. You know, they sell those little balls that he carries around a lot. Because, you know, at the end of the day, like a dumbbell or a plate could really crush your foot. Yeah. Um. And so I, I do give him these uh, sand balls that he carries back and forth, and we do these little medley races. But he's already a little meathead for sure. Uh, I love it. I love it. So, uh, that did the overhead hold that took it down to four from there, or how many got eliminated from there? Well, nobody got eliminated because that would be no fun. And so that just kind of, that just kind of ranked them. And, and this was very okay. important to me. Um, and that led to the grappling event. And uh, because it was such a promethesis of like excellence of grappling. And it, and it led to a lot of people getting inspired to continue training and like go to a jujitsu spot and like roll around and, and Man, that's been one of my biggest sources of pride over the last year of how many people were like, yep, I started training jujitsu and it's freaking great. Um, there's been a bunch. And so anyways, that was the next evolution. Um, everybody got racked and stacked. And, uh, and that's how we were going to decide the top guys with a little twist this year, every round the athletes got dropped a nice little weapon. So they got a knife on one side or uh, throughout the rounds, they got a knife or a gun. And, uh, and so if you didn't have any skills, you could fight over a weapon. Um, but if you did have some grappling skills, you were going to probably dominate. And so that was one change that we added in. And uh, so all top eight, got at least one round, which was really cool to watch. So let me, let me back this up a little bit. Cause this was, I think a surprise all the way around competitors and spectators. 
last year, this first iteration. And again, it just drove home to me how different an event this is for these athletes um, where I just don't think anybody's seeing the combination of skill sets that you guys are putting together for the go Rock games. You can mm-hmm. see them in pieces in other places, but all in mm-hmm. one contest is just so unique is the, the championship, like the determination of the winner last year. And, you know, you talked about there being real prizes. Uh, am I remembering right? The purse last year was $50,000. Yeah. And I think it was 75 K this year. Uh, and then also a bump too. If you wore all go Ruck stuff, you got 50% more on your cash prize. Dang. So, I mean, real, yeah. real money um, on the line here. And so last year you guys wrapped this event with here's a circle of sandbags on top of a mat and you're, you're going to grapple for the win. Whether mm-hmm. you've whether you wrestled or not in high school, whether you've done, uh, you know, any kind of jujitsu judo, um, you're going to, you're going to figure it out. And, uh, I, I think it was, uh, you know, did, well, you tell me, it seemed like a surprise to everybody. How much heads up did the athletes have that that was coming last year? Last year, zero, zero heads up. I mean, there was no hints. There was nothing. The, the, the idea of just step in this circle. I mean, it's freaking Mad Max, right? It's like, go, <laughs> go wrestle for 50 grand. Have, have at it. Um, it's just insanity. Well, I, I think that, uh, that what something that I want to get across too is there's this, uh, and this is a perfect opportunity to talk about this. There's this idea that nobody cares what you can do fresh. Right. And I would argue with that is that nobody cares how fast you can get there to the fight. If you can't, if you're useless, yeah. right. If you cannot fight. And so all of these things, all of, you know, jumping out of planes, scuba diving, driving motorcycles, driving Humvees, rucking at the very bottom of how cool it is. Like that's just to get to the work, right? Whatever that mission is. And so, Hey, like just cause you're fast, if you're useless, then you shouldn't be on the mission anyways. And we see that in special operations. You see it in SF, like not always the top guys are the best performers. And so you said something too, is like, these are a lot of skills that we're putting in and the, the soldiers should really be the Jack of all trades, master of none, right? You're not too far on one end and you know, you're good at everything you got to be right. And you got to have a good skill set. And so I, I want to permeate this idea of, we want to have skills, not just be really fit. That's important, but you got to be able to do stuff with it. And so in, in terms of like fighting, you know, hey, let's, let's let these guys brawl a little bit and reward aggression. Yeah. And, uh, and that's, that's turned out to be a beautiful thing. Yeah. Well, this, this played out even, uh, on the, uh, uh, civilian side last year for, for maybe lack of a better way to put it. But, um, I did the reunion basic on the Sunday last year, uh, and it was, mm-hmm. uh, cadre Dan and cadre Fagan LDB great set of cadre. It was kind of a party vibe because it was just a basic, it was a reunion, but Tim Kennedy was roaming the grounds last year. And uh, Cad- yeah. Cadre Dan just decided, um, I'm going to find him and I'm going to put him with, you know, this group of weirdos. And so like, sure enough, like they grabbed the mats and found him out on the grounds. And so he did just some, some basic grappling with, you know, with everybody doing this go ruck basic out there. And it was, uh, lots of people, it was their first exposure to anything like that, but, uh, mm-hmm. it stuck with me. And I, if, if you listen, Bobby, forgive me for not knowing your last name, but there's a pretty well-known rucker out there, Bobby like five foot tall, bald Asian dude with quads, the size of a VW just stacked. (laughs) And uh, Bobby's like infamous. And, uh, you know, 
Tim Kennedy, you know, he knows how to find a good time. And so when he's looking for somebody to pull on them out on the mats and demo and roll around with him, he, he snags Bobby immediately. And yeah. so here's somebody who's used to being stronger than most of the people he's around. Who's, who's used to excelling. And, uh, you know, at some point when you're rolling with somebody like Tim Kennedy, your strength almost becomes irrelevant. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I watched him that, you know, last year rolling around with Jason Kalipa. Now Kalipa has got the kind of strength where, you know, it, it becomes, you can overcome a, a skill deficit to some degree when you're Jason Kalipa, but, uh, and not doing Bobby any disservice because Tim Kennedy could have tied me in any number of pretzels and, and rolled me off the mats. But at one point, you know, he, he chucked Bobby a little bit and it stuck with him. And I've watched Bobby on social media since then start his journey in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and progress through and he's, he's passionate and he's competitive about it. And so even seeing, and I'm, I'm certain that he's not the, Hey, I'm sure somewhere in Bobby's head, he's like, Tim Kennedy is never throwing me around like that again. <laughs> but you know, I think, I think a lot of people probably came away from that experience, similar to the athletes on your side of the games last year with, uh, you know, seeing the value in that, seeing the, um, uh, you know, the, the challenge in it. And yeah, I, I bet there were probably a lot more uh, blue belts floating around out there this year than there were last year. Yeah, there absolutely was, and and I I, you, I love that you brought up Bobby because he he's done a bunch of events with me as well, and and it's pretty standard. Like you know, when a, a a real professor, when a real expert goes in to a grappling thing, it's like, all right, I'm going to pick the biggest guy, and I'm going to use my superpowers against them. And uh, and so, hey, you've seen a, a big evolution in Bobby as well, um, and. And I, I love to share that story um, because I saw his evolution as well. Similarly to Jala, Bobby showed up to selection, got knocked down, got knocked down, got knocked down. And, and we did a an event up in Scranton, Pennsylvania. It was a, a, a St. Paddy's Day event. And uh, so I'm walking with Bobby and I'm like, hey, man, like, what's your next big thing? Like, you need to get into something that you can really focus in on. You've proven that you can suck, right? Like, you're not an 18 to 22 year old guy like selection course is great. The go rock selection is awesome, but let's dive into a skill because you need that. You need that outlet and that hobby. And it's been really cool. You know, I can, I can name five guys that I know that have gotten their uh, blue belts in the last year. And it's pretty, pretty awesome. They're GRTs. It's funny. I like uh, Bobby and I are like the slightest of acquaintances. Like I had never run into him Mm -hmm. an event or anything prior to last year. And I still, uh, Sunday night, uh, you know, getting home from this year, I miss it. It's Sunday or Monday. I messaged him. I'm like, Hey man, Sandlot Jacks was, was fun. It was great, but it still wasn't the same <laughs> without you. And he's like, yeah, I looked like a blast man, but he's just one of those people you love to run into at things. And, and really, you know, people make the party. Right. And Bobby's definitely one of those people. Yeah. And I've got a, I've got a little uh, thing that I've been floating around, just socializing this idea of these guys that have come in and like, you know, a Bobby and I actually messaged Bobby uh, like Thursday or Friday. And I was like, Hey man, you coming down? Like, I want you to, you know, put a hurting on some of the cadre and, uh, and then same challenge, like my boy, Joe Baker as well as like, Hey man, get in the ring. Like you've, you, all the cadre put you guys through really hard events and test your metal, but you can, you can offer them up challenges. Like it's not one sided here, right? Make cadre jacked, make cadre uh, dangerous again, because we've all got that killer instinct. Uh, but we need to be held accountable at some times for either our lack of performance or, you know, complacency. And so guys, you know, step up, let's see how you do. And so I, I've got a little running uh, side mission with Bobby and a couple other guys. <laughs> like, and it's, it's inspired guys to continue training for sure. Yeah. 
No, that's awesome, man. So you guys added that component with the grappling, the grappling this year, which was so cool, which was my thought last year. I'm like, well, oh, well, what if what if one of these guys did wrestle in high school or, co- or gals wrestled in high school or college? Or what if somebody has been rolling jits? It was such an advantage. So introducing the simulated weapons this year. And again, yeah. it's just they might have come in thinking, oh, we know we're going to have to grapple. And so it's mm-hmm. still even for those that were anticipating it, it was still something different than what they anticipated. Yeah. And, you know, we teach uh, in, in the firearms events, we teach that we teach a little bit of blade stuff we teach. Uh, but at the end of the day, like, hey, man, if if, if you're going to get into a fight with somebody with a knife, maybe just turn around and run the opposite direction. Right. If you if, if there's a, a gun involved, like, you know, exfil is always on the table yeah. uh, until it's not. And then and then you got to do something about it. But for these athletes, I, I wanted to make it available to where you could be, you know, you could ha- stand a fighting chance. Yeah. And hey, stay strapped or get clapped. Um, unfortunately, they they didn't have that option, so we got to see some really good, uh, some good grappling. Yeah, and it was really good to see the evolution of the guys that came last year. You know, Jarrett Newby, for for instance, he uh, he came in. You know, he got knocked out on the overhead stuff on the first round, and he got a really tough seed against another tough guy. I think it was Austin Hazar and Austin clearly does jujitsu a couple times. He was going for a head and arm triangle a couple times. He was going for the Americana and Austin, or well, I'm sorry, Jarrett did a really good job defending, didn't get submitted and, uh, and, and stayed in the fight. And that's at the end of the day, like where, where he got absolutely dominated last year by Hunter. Um, he did way better and he's been putting in the time, yeah. right? He's been, he's added grappling to his daily, his training a couple yeah. times a week. And so it was really cool to see that. And then all the way down to the win, uh, overall winner of the men's event, Matt Kempson, he crushed it, right? I mean, he, he had good grappling and the guys are shooting for triangles. They're shooting for uh, arm bars. They're going for the guillotine that they got taught. Oh, by the way, we, we didn't mention that Chad Malone came out to Dutton Island before we left and he gave an entire grappling class and hand fighting, um, couple, you know, choke techniques, uh, taught some guillotine action. And then, you know, all the way to the girls events, which are always my favorite because it's just way more enjoyable to watch. Um, but like Margot Alvarez, CrossFit games athlete, she had a slick back take and had a perfectly executed rear naked choke. And then, I mean, there was really some, some cool, cool moments in there. Yeah. Were they, um, because I, I had to bail. So I, I was, uh, living vicariously through social media for the rest of the event, which was such a bummer. Um, which is also yeah. why I'm not carpooling next year, fellas, find your own ride. Uh, but, uh, uh, there were, was, were there no mats this year? Were they on the grass? They were, that was a decision made, uh, which, you know, Hey, we're back to the grit. Yeah. Uh, we actually had some pretty, pretty legit mats made up by Dolomer. Um, but they got so hot in the sun yeah. that we decided that it was going to be uh, a negative. So they got to roll in the grass. Dude, that was, uh, I, I went, I did the reunion light on Friday for funsies. I mean, anytime at this point in time, if go rucks offering an event called a light, whether you've done double heavies, whether you've got your bolts, whether you've never done a go ruck event, just sign up. Cause you're just going to a light at this point is just a good time. Uh, you're just yeah. hanging out with friends, but I participated in what I believe may have been the longest tunnel of love in the history of go ruck in whatever oh. was going on with the grass and the dirt in that field. Uh, it was a special kind of suck. Uh, it wasn't just scrapes and scratches. Yes. I should be wearing challenge pants. I apologize. I'll drop some coin before the next one. Uh, but uh, to be out there, I'm watching that, you know, I'm seeing the pictures of them grappling on just that grass and I identified with them just that little bit of extra from having done that stupid tunnel of love on Friday. 
<laughs> so listeners tunnel of love uh if you've if you've never seen it or done it is um all of your fellow compatriots in essentially a downward dog position with their their rucks and weights on shoulder to shoulder knee to knee forming a tunnel and uh you get to low crawl through that tunnel and when you get to the end you join the tunnel and, and this process repeats except for we had like 168 people doing this event uh so even split in two the tunnels were were long the cadre did go easy we were slick we weren't crawling with our rucks on so again, it's just nice. a good time. It wasn't a, wasn't a beat down, uh, yeah. but uh, yeah, that those grounds. It was a it was a special kind of uh, of love on the old elbows and knees. So when I saw them grappling on that, I, I felt for them. Hey, well, you got to make sure your body's staying hard and uh, scuffing itself occasionally. Yeah, well, if you don't come away with some scrapes or bruises, did you really do anything? Yeah, exactly. So, and then, uh, you know, another change with that, they might've been expecting that, but so then that wasn't, that wasn't the finale. That wasn't for the championship this year. Nope. That just gave us our, our placing. And then the top two moved on to the, uh, the final. And this is where they're, they're really moving some weight. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we had an event called the ton of fun and, uh, it got kind of a remix there towards the very end, but athletes moving a huge pile of sand from point A to point B and right in the middle of point A was like a, you know, the cargo net from the Savage race course. So they had to carry, uh, I think it was 12, 40 pound sandbags up the cargo net, toss it over. Once they all came, then there was just a big pile of basically everything in the inventory that they had to move from one point to the other. And so, you know, at the end of the day, you got to be proficient at moving dirt, and uh, and that's kind of a you know a John Wellborn uh, John Wellbornism is some days you show up with a spoon, some days you get a shovel, uh, but you got to move it either way, and uh, love that. So well, and there, you know, I had spent the weekend watching you know these various containers of sand move around the grounds for one event or the other, and at every uh, every other point in the weekend when. Uh, sandbags or med balls or the kettlebells were being moved from one spot to the other. It was a group of people moving them, right? It was, mm. it was volunteers or it was part of the event and it was okay. Everybody in the light, go over, grab them, bring them back. Uh, you know, it was sandbag tosses, but it was a large group of people uh, all the way down to now at the end, it's these four people moving just about the same amount that the rest of us were moving anytime just on their own. And, uh, just, you know, trying to put myself in their shoes of where they must have been at physically and mentally with some level of sleep deprivation. Um, I like to camp. I've got my rig pretty square, squared away. Um, I have gone to a hammock. I love it. And it's still, it's a good night's sleep out in the wilderness. It's still not a good night's sleep. Um, so just, uh, you know, there's not a lot of time to recover. It's not like they're, uh, hopping in ice baths and doing compression sleeves on their legs and hitting the Theraguns after all of these things. It's just building and building and building. And now, you know, you leave them with this really uh, Sisyphean task. I mean, they're literally taking the weight up a hill. At least there was another side for it to go down. Uh, but but to push through that and, and dig deep and have, you know, anything left in the tank at all, mentally or physically, is, tr I mean, just really, truly impressive. Yeah. You know, uh, the, the winner of the men's event, Matt Kempson, uh, he was actually, he told me afterwards that he was renovating his house and he has been for a significant amount of time, been doing all the work. Well, what he could do by himself, but at one point he had like, you know, a couple like 30,000 pounds of gravel and dirt and mortar to move. And that was just the workout. And, uh, and 
And we get kind of wrapped around the axle sometimes of like, all right, I got to do my burpees and I got to do my thrusters and I got to do my jump probe. And like, there's something beautiful about just going out and doing manual labor, yeah. right? Pick it up and move it. And, uh, and that's one thing that like, it, it can come back, right? That circle of like the, the fitness trends, all this, like we go from super complex to all the way around to like basics, the basics always win. Yeah. And, uh, and man, with that little bit of mindset shift, prioritizing work capacity. And and so when I look at work capacity is, you know, that's, that's the standard of CrossFit, right? Can you do more work in the same amount of time? Okay. Well, you're more fit. Well, we just got to move this pile from here to there. And I'm sure that the athletes, if, if asked or told, they would have continued to do whatever task you need them to do, you know, to yes, sir. Kind of have another kind of thing, yeah. but you know, it was a, a really good test. I thought fun way to finish the weekend out. Um, anything, uh, well, I, you know, I guess this goes into, you know, uh, some Intel for next year. So not giving away too much. Um, and any takeaways for sure. You're like, Oh, we can step this up. We can do this better next year. Well, we actually already had our, uh, before we even started the event, we had our AR document. And as, as guys are going in there typing little things and we shake it all out afterwards. Um, I think, you know, the, the addition of a little bit more of a team element where you can't hide as a, you can't be a gray man on the team. Um, there, you'll see some of that, you know, we're always striving to be more organized this year. We use the app based system erg zone and, uh, it, it was spot on. Uh, and it kept things really well organized as opposed to just like pen and paper yeah. and hand jamming things into a spreadsheet. So really thankful for those guys. Uh, but past that, man, looking at for some some creative tasks and fun stuff to watch and do and uh, and to push the envelope of what folks can expect. Yeah. Was that a, about the right right size this year for the field of competitors, you feel like? I would like to see more. I'd like to see you got, you know, 15 guys show up. Um, there, there was, yeah, I'd say that there was about 30% less than what should have showed up. You know, we had 15 um, that we, the cap was 15. Um, when only 65% show up, then it's, uh, you know, you're left with a, a huge gap there. Um, so I would like to see, you know, 15 to 20 guys yeah. in the field, but that's not 100% my call. So, yeah, I'm surprised with that purse. Like you would think you'd be turning people away. Yeah. There's a uh, one it's letting guys know. So sharing it, uh, sharing the, the idea of the event and letting them know we got a lot of confidence last year and build that. We continue to build that with the community of competitors yeah. that say, yes, this is a good event. You're not just getting abused. Like we're not just trying to break you. We're not just, it's not that kind of show. Um, and, and go up, you know, Hey, if you did an event years ago, maybe you felt that way. You didn't really know what to expect. Um, it may be, you know, the hazing or whatever, not that, uh, it's not that style of an event. And then you also got to look at like the middle of the CrossFit game season or the high rocks season. So taking, uh, certain guys away, you know, Hunter McIntyre didn't get to come back and, uh, defend his title. So maybe he will next year. Hopefully he does love to see that. But, um, We'll keep, we'll keep evolving it. Yeah. Well, it's, it's cool to see, man. Like it, like I said, it's a, it's a real unique event and, uh, definitely look forward to seeing the, the future iterations 
And uh, do want to, uh, you know, before I let you go, hit on, uh, you know, some uh, some Cadre DS high points. It was cool to see um, Force Blue out there representing this year, which I know is a passion project what? of yours. Yeah, yeah. And so, uh, break, I mean, we talked about it w- way back on when you were in, but uh, give the uh, the elevator pitch for, for Force Blue and what they're doing. So Force Blue is taking uh, com- – combat vets, divers, uh, guys that were trained in the military with dive skills and applying our skills to ocean conservation. A huge breadth of different missions from coral reef uh, restoration to turtle, uh, sea turtle um, studies, all kinds of different things. I mean, they, they partnered with the NFL in the last year, uh, in the last two years, I believe, to replant uh, big coral reef spaces, and that's part of the NFL's, like, uh, you know, conservation that they're trying to do. Um, great group of guys, and uh, it's really cool. That uh, another initiative is taking Gold Star families and teaching their kids how to scuba dive, and uh, and so pulling them in. You know, there's a whole mentor side piece to that yeah. that's really beautiful. And um, yeah, I mean, Force Blue just continues to evolve and do badass things. Yeah, no, I, I loved seeing them actually have a presence out this year, and uh, you know, something I think we've we've kept that under. Uh, worthy causes on our website since you came on the first time and uh you know it, yeah. it's got a, a permanent spot there because it's just a really cool mission uh that yeah we added there. that into the uh the kids you know throughout the whole go Rook tribe space uh every month is a different you know uh challenge a theme a workout you get the you know and the causes and that was one of the things with the uh, the kids program is caring you know you got to care about something uh, that can go a lot a lot of different ways yeah. but just paying attention to it and uh, and having discussions and just educating folks that, hey, there's a big issue here and uh, and need some attention given to it. So yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to continue uh, training in that space as well. Yeah, I know. That's awesome. And then uh, for your part on the, the GORAC side, we uh, added a – I say we. I always like to include myself like I'm just part of the, the GORAC team and family. I'm just trying my darndest to get on the payroll. But uh, so oh. we uh, uh, added uh, a word to your title. Last time we talked to you here on the podcast, you were director of training, now director of special training. Uh, yeah. Kind of fill us in on, on what you're working on there. All right. So uh, we got the daily stuff taken care of. Um, and there's a you know great app that you can jump onto if you want a daily sandbag and ruck training. But we've identified a need for some uh, directed skills work. And so, you know, you can you can tear that apart in a ton of different ways. But essentially building on additional programs to say, hey, I need a strength based program and I only have a sandbag and a ruck. What should I be doing? or a stamina program or a heavy prep program, or we got these med balls. What should I do with them? Or I bought the kettlebells, but I don't know what to do. And so what you're going to see actually launching May 1st um, is our first specialized trading program. Uh, Then I'm honored to write them and deliver them the best that I possibly can. So uh, yeah, you're going to start to see go up, enter that space and make it available uh, as well as Jala actually, you know, funny that we yeah. talked about Jala a bunch. She wrote a program as well. And uh, those will be out this next week. Nice. Is that going to be through um, like, uh, is that just going to be on the website proper at godoc.com or is that going to be through one of the apps? Yeah. Look for them in both places. Okay. So specifically the app as it is currently is not uh, as user friendly as it could be and, and giving us those options. So I think that it's going to be uh like a PDF version. Yeah. So, and then follow along through the apps and the, uh, the Sandlaw app and basically, you know, connecting with folks of saying, Hey, 
I started here and this is what we're doing. So, you know, the way that I wrote this, uh, well, specifically my, my kettlebell program was one design, um, basically, Hey, these are 20 sessions. We're going to get a, uh, a start metric, you know, zero day. And then you've got 20 sessions. You could do all, you know, you could do one a day for 20 days and then retest at the end of it. Or you can say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do DS's kettlebell workouts three days a week. And in six to eight weeks, I'm going to retest. I saw both guys, uh, both styles of that, and they had great success. And so for my strength program that's launching, it's, hey, give me 20 minutes, right? 20 minutes out of your day to lift heavy and do some agility. And let's see how it affects your overall numbers and your work capacity and your strength. And um, so I'm, I'm pretty excited to see how guys do with it. Yeah. Now, that's awesome. And, I, you know, it does make, you know, just a different level of fitness and training available at a different level. You know, like what GORUCK's doing with the train with Sandline, you know, now with having the jerry cans, with having the med balls, you know, that we that have been added recently in addition to, um, you know, the kettlebells, which, which came out last year. And, of course, the sandbags have been around, um, in Jason's words, since forever now. Um, is just like how accessible it makes quality training where it's like, yeah, you could spend 10 bucks a month at, at whatever, like a planet fitness, but you're not going to go in there with, uh, with a plan. You're not going to go in there with direction. Mm-hmm. And you know what, what stats show their whole business model is based on because you're only invested 10 bucks a month. You're probably not, you're probably not going to go at all. Um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, what I've loved about the train with sand is one, like the idea of having a full home gym for the price that you would be at to fill. I mean, you can have a full range of, if you bought this the same range of kettlebells in steel, I mean you're into it for hundreds and hundreds. I, I I'm old enough to remember when you could buy weights for about a dollar a pound. Those days are long gone, yeah. um, you know. But you can you know you can buy um, you know these med balls and the sandbags and the kettlebells for pennies on the dollars for other weight. You you can go to Home Depot and grab sand if you want, or you can go to you know, even if you're landlocked, there's usually a beach somewhere or, uh, you know, a sandbox at a playground. I'm not saying steel municipal sand, but your tax dollars paid for it anyways. So maybe just don't get caught. Um, you know, but then to have that, okay, now what do I actually do with this versus just maybe I'm, you know, you're walking into, uh, you know, whatever cookie cutter gym and maybe just making your rounds on the machines, you know, you can pair these tools with training from experts, like yourself, like Jala. And I, I just think it's, it's really a, a cool offering. And I, it's just been cool to kind of see that side of go ruck, just continue to grow and advance. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm really excited to hear your feedback from how you enjoy doing the program too. I mean, this is at the end of the day, like uh, you got to have a good plan, right? You can have all the gear that sits in your garage gym that collects dust, but if you're not, if you don't have a specific task and purpose, then it gets lost. Yeah. And, uh, and at some point you lose motivation or like, it seemed like a good idea to just carry it, but you can do way more than that. And, uh, and so hopefully guys continue with it. I, I really have high hopes that, uh, the community has, uh, you know, it will put out and they should be simple enough, just like everything you see with the, uh, the training programs and that's it. Like just do the work. It's yeah. going to be basic enough. And if you need help with it, if you got questions, hit us up. Like I'm here for you. I'm here to help. And, uh, it should be fun. You know, part of this whole thing is like using the tools that you have available to you. That goes into the bands, right? With the bulletproof bands and the ruck wrap stuff. Like, and you should have a, a couple of train of bands in your rucksack that you can bust out and do exercises with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, combining things like the, uh, the sandbag kettlebells, you know, with bands like yours, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's your whole gym's portable. 
You know, like mm-hmm. you can't take dumbbells with you through the TSA. These days you can't even take rug plates with you through the TSA because you're going to do, I, I don't even know what with it. I don't know what they're thinking, but you can take, yeah. you can take bands and, and an empty soft sided sure. kettlebell with you and do your work on the other side. Yeah. I was thinking about this earlier. Uh, and I know we were talking, but, uh, for the bulletproof bands, I want to set you guys up as a, for solid sevens. So you're going to get 7% off your order at, at uh, ruckwrap.com. And then we're going to donate 7% uh, on top of that. So match whatever it is to uh, man, whatever foundation you guys want to pitch in towards. All right. Well, Hey man, we talked force force blue. Let's do it. Let's uh, let's double down there. And okay. uh, I think that's Sweet. a great way to make that happen. So yeah. Awesome listeners. You, you know, you heard it here, go and go and check them out, hit, hit it up. And, uh, Dude, I'm I'm looking forward to the training myself. You know, like you talked about Bobby, what's that next thing or having that goal on the so for me, like the big thing on the calendar now is Normandy next summer. So that's where I'm working. All all okay. my all my training and stuff backwards from is is Normandy next summer. So awesome. Awesome. Well, let's do this. Get stronger first, right? Because that takes the longest to build. Yeah. And then once you have those uh, once you have those patterns down and, and it becomes a habit, well, then it's going to stack on everything else. And and that's the number one thing that I see guys lacking is just the strength component and and some some speed a little bit. But everybody can suck. But if you can build some baseline generalized strength, you're going to be way better off and, and uh, able to adapt from the trauma that's put on your body. Yeah. Right. We're not trying to get you muscle bound. That's not the idea here. But get more motor units firing. And how do we do that? Simple resistance training exercises. That's going to pull everything together, get you pushing, pulling, hinging, and pressing. That's it. Yeah, for sure. Well, Kadre, appreciate it, man. A good time as always. I I told uh, your wife when we were talking at Sandlock, I feel like I could easily do like six episodes just off the cuff with you guys all on different topics. Uh, you know, we, we could do running, you know, hotels, we could do entrepreneurship, we could do parenting, uh, you know, we could do the marriage thing. So maybe we'll, maybe somewhere down the road, we'll, we'll knock some of those episodes out or we can just have Izzy on and just break down what it's like to be married to you. Uh, like, I feel like that would be an interesting episode. Hey, she's down. Uh, <laughs> label that one not safe for work. How about that? <laughs> uh, maybe we'll do that one for the Patreon supporters. Just a little, uh, just a little behind the scenes for, for the supporters. But uh, man, uh, appreciate it as always. Definitely love the inside look at the games. Looking forward to uh, to seeing what comes with those in in the future, and uh, and exciting about the training and and listeners. Appreciate you. Of course, there's no podcast. Uh, without listeners so always appreciate you tuning in sticking with us do us a favor whatever app you're listening on if you haven't already hit subscribe or follow um, give us we read all the reviews so give us a little review and a rating on there that helps uh, the evil algorithms point people to the podcast and then if you haven't already hit up the website solid seven podcast.com it's uh solid the number seven podcast.com all kinds of good stuff on there, and uh, you know, including the links to uh, Force Blue. Uh, you know, we'll uh, link to um, the the ruck wraps and the stuff that we talked about here on the end on there for you, uh, so you can find that and get that discount on there, and just all kinds of good stuff on the website. And uh, until next week, we're out. The Solid 7 Podcast is a proud affiliate of GORUCK. 
GORUCK designs and builds the toughest gear on the planet. Tested and proven at thousands of GORUCK events held all over the world and led by current and former Special Forces combat veterans. The GORUCK brand stands for Building Better Americans, the Special Forces way of life, and a life-or-death approach to building the world's toughest gear. Visit Solid7Podcast.com and click on the GORUCK link to learn more about their gear and events. And a portion of every purchase and every event registration you make will go to support us here at the Solid 7 Podcast.